Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, I chose The Heart of Kali from the CBS anthology series, Escape. Escape premiered July 7th, 1947. The program's stated mission was to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. And over the course of seven years and 228 episodes, Escape did exactly that. But all good things come to an end. On September 25th, 1954, CBS aired the final episode of Escape, The Heart of Kali. The Heart of Kali was written by CBS sound editor-turned-writer Ross Murray, who in the 1950s contributed several scripts to Suspense and Escape while still serving as a sound engineer. Shortly after The Heart of Kali was produced, Murray's boss in the sound department transferred him from CBS Radio to CBS Television. It was not a move that Murray wanted. In a 2009 interview, Murray said, I did not understand it, but a friend told me that the engineering head did not like the fact that I was meeting producers and directors through my writing. This was show business, and I had come to understand the frequent jealousies of small people. I nearly left CBS to concentrate on writing, but I had responsibilities and needed a steady job, so I stayed, and the opportunity passed me by. But don't feel too bad for Murray. He went on to start the video editing department at CBS Television, where he won two Emmys for his work on Playhouse 90 and the 1960 Winter Olympics. After that, he returned to the sound effects department and won his third Emmy for his work on The Danny Kaye Show. In 1969, he became the sound effects editor for The Carol Burnett Show before being promoted to head of the CBS Television sound effects department in 1970. And now let's listen to The Heart of Kali, the final episode of Escape, originally broadcast September 25th, 1954. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music. And listen to the voices. Tired of the everyday grind? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you... Escape! Escape! Designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You are at the end of a journey you've committed murder to make. A barren wasteland of India, silent, desolate, where there is a cave and a carved image of the goddess Kali, whose heart is a ruby big as a grenade, and which is guarded by a smiling old man from whom there is no escape. Listen now as Escape brings you Ross Murray's story, The Heart of Kali.
long time. Exactly how long, I don't know. The years pile up and it's hard to remember. But the beginning is easy. The beginning was a bar on the San Francisco waterfront early in 1946. Anton Korchak, owner of the Sea Nest, had put a new bartender on and I waited a week before I made my pitch. It got a reaction. <laughs> Funny, Whitey? <laughs> Kills me. Well, I'm telling you, it's true. Uh, kid, if I believed every story about an idol with a ruby for a heart, you think I'm out of my mind? I'll listen. All I need is a few hundred no, bucks. Oh, you listen. Every waterfront bum comes in here has got a dream to hock. They sell for a beer. You want a few hundred. Yeah, but it's true, I tell you. (laughs) This ruby's as big as a hand grenade, and it's there for the taking. Why didn't you take it when you had the chance, Danny? (sighs) I had to get out of the cave when I heard my patrol start shooting. What good was a ruby in my pocket and a jap bullet in my back? Look, nobody told you to come back to the States when you got mustered out either, did they? Couldn't help it, Whitey. I got malaria. They shipped me out of India before the war ended. Well, it was two years ago. How do you know the ruby's still there? I know it is. It's in a temple. All I have to do (laughs) is... What's the matter? Uh, what do you suppose all them swamis around the temple are going to be doing while you grab the ruby? Clap hands? Yeah, but the only one near the idol's an old man. He's just sitting there looking at it. Now, Whitey, it's a cinch, honest. Come on, invest 500, get back maybe, maybe 100,000. Beat it, kid. I got work to do. Whitey. Me and the sawed-off ball bat, Danny. I'll beat it. <laughs> Mr. Hmm? Oh, well, sure, mate. Here you are. Thanks. You an A.B.? Me? No. No, why? Hey, you're standing in front of the old tub here, and I figured you were maybe looking to be signed on. No, I wasn't. She's heading out in a half hour. Stick around. Maybe somebody won't show. Yeah? Where's she headed for? Other side of the world. India. India, huh? Yeah. Uh, Calcutta? No, Chanpur. Where's that? hundred miles east. Oh. Um, you, you sure they're signed up full? Yeah. You want to go? Yeah, I want to go. We'll take a passenger. Mm-hmm. How much? hundred and a half. With grub? Captain's table for 175. Folks will grab for 100 and a half. Okay. When are you leaving? Since the first and the engineer come aboard. Uh, when's that? <laughs> when they can't afford any more uh, beer. Okay. How much is that in time? I told you. You told a stranger, mister. Now maybe you're telling a passenger. Half an hour the most. Captain, don't like to wait. They won't have to. I'll be back. I started back for the sea nest. Somebody had to listen to me. The ruby, the heart of Kali, it beat inside me like it was my own. I knew I'd do anything to get my hands on it. I'd found the way to get to India. And now all I needed was the money to buy it. 
It was only a few minutes before closing when I got there. Whitey was mopping up the bar, and the place was empty. Hey, Whitey. Bar's closed, kid. I don't want a drink. Come here. Come here. I got something to tell you. What's on your mind? Uh, Whitey, I can get passage to India. All I need is a hundred and a half. Beat it. Well, where's Mr. Korchak? Back room, checking receipts. Why? Uh-uh, no. You can't go back there, Danny. You'll get your hands off. If you try to stop me, Whitey, I'll kill you. <laughs> go on in, kid. Come in. Uh, can I see you for a minute, Mr. Korchak? What do you want, then? Look, Mr. Korchak, I'll make it fast. You know about me being in Burma, that ruby I saw My there. My bartender told Well, me. it's the truth. Whitey knows that I saw it. And he... Leave it now, Mr. K. Everything's locked up for the night. Okay. Good night, Whitey. Night, Danny. <laughs> what do you want from me, Danny? Listen, Mr. Korchak, all I need is 150 bucks. I can get passage to India for that. It's only a hundred and a half. Now, please, Mr. Korchak, I... Eh, don't ask for money, Danny. A beer, maybe, but cash, no. Mr. Korchak... Get lost, kid. But the boat leaves... I said get lost, kid. Okay, okay, let me tell you something. Danny... Listen to me! I can make you rich for a lousy hundred and a half. Get out. Get out of my place. You come in here again, I throw you to the seagulls. A hundred and a half, Korchak. You're gonna give it to me... Yeah, I guess I got to make you believe me. <laughs> you shouldn't have done that, Korchak. Huh? Now I got to twist this round in you. Uh, you you try it, Danny, and you're going to. <laughs> you should have given me that doll. It's a lot cheaper than dying. Just in time. We're shoving off. I told you I'd be back, didn't I? That's what a lot of them say. Okay, let's go. Uh, hold on, matey. What's the matter? Let's see the color of your money. Money, yeah. Here. Got a live one, huh? Must be close to... How much in that bundle? Look. Price just went up to two and a half with forecastle grub. Hey, what are you trying to do to me? That's the price. Take it or no. Let me see the captain. You're uh, looking at him, boy. I'm the captain. Two fifty. Okay. Two fifty. Let's go. Climb aboard. Next stop, Chanpur. 
Macon? Yes? Uh, Captain of the Paxton told me to come and see you. Said you could find me a small boat and a guide. I can. When do you wish these things? As soon as possible. Where do you wish to go? You know where Tinsukia is? Macon knows India well. Oh, what's the best way to go? Your boat will take you north up the Brahmaputra River. Then you will go overland west to Tinsukia. Yeah, how, how long will that take? I should say two weeks. Okay. Let's get going. All charges are in advance. How much? $500 American. Uh, I, don't, I don't have that much. How much have you? $300. Please, do not lie to me. $300. Captain Evans of the Paxton has already notified me that you have at least $400. I don't. Then how much? $350. You take it or I shop around. Be back here tomorrow morning, and I will take you to your boat. What about my guy? He will be there. You better be. Good day. I was there the next morning. We went to the boat I'd rented. It wasn't much, but I took it. Subhas, my guide, got her wound up, and we started up river for Tinsukia. Up till the time we left, Macon tried to find out why I wanted to go there. I told him nothing. On the fifth day out of Shanpur, Subhas, who hadn't said a dozen words to me in all that time, came back to the stern of the boat and sat down beside me. Saeed. Yeah? Why are you making this trip? Macon asked you to find out? No, no, Saeed. I ask for myself. Why? Because I do not wish evil to happen to you. Thanks. But it will happen to you. How do you know? Makan wishes it so. Why? He says you know of much gold buried near Tinsukia. He's crazy. Is he? Yep. Then why did he instruct me to kill you when you found it? What? The true Saib, I'm to kill you when you find the gold. Subhas, let me tell you something. I'm not looking for gold. Oh, I'm glad you are not looking for gold. I would not like to kill you. Uh, Subhas. Yes, I done me. How much longer? Oh, we will be on the river two more days, and we will go on land to Tinsukia. Well, I don't want to go to Tinsukia. Where? I want to go ten miles or so northwest. Oh, what is there? Well, there was a big army camp there during the war. You remember it? Oh, yes, I was the guide then, too. Well, you take me there, huh? Yes. was after my outfit came over the Pangsaw Pass out of Burma that I found the Temple of Kali. Then we'd moved on to Tinsukia. All I wanted was to get to the site of the old army camp. I could make it from there on my own. But the closer I got to the heart of Kali, the crazier I got. Nothing mattered anymore what I had to do or who I had to kill to get what I wanted. We finished the trip up river and started overland. It was rough, jungle and rain, and the old malaria kicking it up. Five days later, we were on the site of the old army camp. This is far enough, Subhas. But there is nothing here. There's enough. This is as far as we're going. Then we shall rest before we return. I'm not going back. Then what are we... I got to do the rest of this alone, Subhas. 
You, you have no need for the gun. I, I know nothing of what you do. No, but you would if you stayed with me any longer. But I... I, I do not... <laughs> I left him there, and I walked on for another half a day, and then just as I'd remembered it, a cave opening almost hidden by scrub on the far side of a small clearing. I went in, and I saw it again. At the far end of the cave, the idol, Kali. And in the flickering light of the lamp, it's hard. I moved closer to it. And then I saw him, the same little old, old man I'd seen two years before, in that same attitude of prayer. I moved again, and he sat there, hardly seeming to breathe. And then I was ready. I ran toward the idol, my hands reaching for the ruby. And then the ground opened beneath me, and I fell. A thousand hands clawed at me, held me, struck at me. And above... The heart of Kali shone scarlet. I don't know how long I fought them, but the time came when I couldn't fight anymore. And so I quit and let whatever it was drift over me. When I came to, he was standing at the foot of the straw pallet I was on. He was tall, gaunt, dressed in a ceremonial robe that reached to the floor. I am Adram, the elder sannyasi of the Temple of Kali. And your name is Daniel Karlin, I believe. Yeah, how do you know mine? Your wallet, your papers of identification, your money, they are all there beside you. Look... About that ruby... There is no need for you to explain, Mr. Carlin. I am aware of your emotion concerning the ruby. Our emotion, on the other hand, the emotion of my people, has its roots in religious beliefs, in the beauty of I uh, Get life. to the point. The point? Yeah, stop playing cat and mouse with me. If you're going to kill me, do it. Get it over with. If it's torture you got in mind, then you shouldn't have let me live. Because I'm not having any. Body, say la... Listen, you kill me if you want, but no torture. You kill me, but kill me fast. Oh, no, no, my friend. We will do you no further harm. There will be no more violence done. Release him. What uh, are you going to do to me? We wish to honor you. You what? I said you are to be honored. Listen, there is already music that you are here. And tonight we have a Bata feast, the feast of the reward, and you will be the honored guest at that feast. Uh, but why reward me? To prove to you that we have no hatred for him who desires the heart of Kali. Uh, uh, what is the reward? You will know at the moment of bestowal. Reward? Something I can take with me when I leave? <laughs> the emotion again concerning the ruby. You just said you don't hate me for it. No. Come. Come, I will show you the place of the feasts. 
This is the feasting hall where you will be the honored guest tonight. Adram. Yes. How do I know for sure that I won't end up on that altar there? One of your people standing over me, ready to start butchering? You have my words. How do I know that's enough? Why do you torment yourself, my friend? Had I wished it, you could have been a sacrificial lamb long before this. I want to see the old man that sits in front of the idol. You will see him tonight. Hey, who is he in this setup? You will know tonight. Now, I think you had better go back to your room, lie down, and wait. No, tonight. Are you afraid? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Believe me when I say your life is precious to us now. I doubt that. Do not. I speak the truth. That's the trouble. I get the feeling I'd be better off if you lied to me. Go rest for the feast. I went back to my straw mat and I laid down. But the fear wouldn't go. There was a catch in this whole operation. I couldn't nail it down. Adram was convincing, but I'd heard too much about the followers of Kali to believe him. His attitude of nonviolence had a false spot somewhere. I couldn't find it. I knew that I had to get out of the temple before the feast started, but there was only one way in or out, and that was through the cave and over the trap door in front of the idol. Someone had to trip the door physically before it could fall open. I decided to make my exit look legitimate by taking somebody with me. Pani, Adram's assistant, was standing guard outside my cubicle. So I picked him. Pani, Pani, come here. Come here, quick. What is it? What is wrong? Come here. Come here. Help me up. It's my back. The fall. Yeah. Perhaps the fall could have twisted you. <laughs> Don't you move or I'll break your arm. Try that once more. I'll kill you. No. Where'd they put my gun when they brought me here? Where? Where? It is here in this room. Huh? In the pack you wore when you arrived. It is there in the corner. Okay. Move. Mm -hmm. What do you know? What are you going to do? I'm leaving. You're going with me for a while for insurance. Very well. Aren't you going to give me any argument? It is the wish of Adram that I do your bidding. Okay. No, no, wait a minute. Have you changed your mind? No, no, I'm just going to check this gun. You're too happy about this whole thing. still full. I thought maybe... Oh, nothing's right about this whole setup. Let's get going. But, Adram... Just in case you don't know it, this 45 can put a hole in you as big as a fist. Now move. behind the idol. Wait a minute. What about the old man? He will not speak to us, nor attempt to stop us. How do you know? I know. Okay. Well, let's move. Remember, if that trap door opens, you get dead. So no signals, huh? No. Wait a minute. What is wrong? 
As long as I'm getting out like this, I might as well get what I came for. The heart of Kali? Yeah. Now, back toward it. you're leading me out, I'll kill you if you hesitate for a second, you understand? I understand. And then get gone. friend, the butter feast is almost at an end, and yet not one morsel of food has passed your lips. Uh, I'm not hungry. Are you afraid you will be poisoned? Yeah. I will be your taster, if you wish. Uh, Adram, why didn't you kill me for trying to escape? Because your attempt was a normal reaction. You harmed no one. Oh, no, but I tried. Oh, but you had provocation. Man always lashes out at the unknown. It is to be expected. Yeah, but I had that trap door open as soon as Pani stepped off it. Who knew that I wasn't supposed to leave? The old man who sits near the idol. But I looked at him as I passed by. He just sits there, looks at the idol. He doesn't seem to know what's going on around him. He is aware of only two things in life. The heart of Kali and the Bata feast. He knew of the feast. And he knew that if you left, there would be none. Therefore, you are the only excuse for living that he has. Still don't understand. You will. The music has ended. Now, the ceremony of the reward will begin. Adram, Adram, I... Set your mind at ease, my friend. No physical violence will be inflicted upon you. Adram, I have a question. What is it, my friend? Has uh, anybody else ever tried to steal the ruby? That is an intelligent question. Yeah. I will answer it when the time comes. Why not answer it now? I will answer it in a moment. Remember what I once said to you. Your life is precious to us. Advance, guardian of the heart of Kali. before whether anyone else had tried to steal the heart of Kali. The answer, my friend, is yes. Almost 45 years ago, it was attempted. At that time, we also had a Bata mm. feast, the feast of the reward. Adram, listen, listen to and me. And in keeping with the laws of the temple, the thief received the reward which he now entrusts to you, mm. the right to possess the heart. Which he so desired. No, I, I don't want it. For 40 years, the old man has been guardian of the heart. For 40 years, he has waited for one to love the heart as he did. Now, he will surrender it to you. No, no, no. no, no I, don't, I, I don't want We greet you, guardian of the heart. And from this day, 
to the next feast of the reward, may you be close to and love that heart which shall be before you. Hail, the new guardian. How long ago was that? How many years? How many lifetimes? I don't even look at the ruby anymore. All I know is I've got my hand on the trapdoor switch and somebody has to walk across it someday. Why not you? Oh, that ruby, that red heart. It's yours. It's as big as a grenade, and it's yours. Take it. Come and take it. Please. Please, somebody, come and get me. Please. Under the direction of David Friedkin and Morton Fine, Escape has brought you The Heart of Kali, a story by Ross Murray. Featured in the cast were Paul Richards and Edgar Barrier. Also heard were Jack Crucian, Clayton Post, Lou Merrill, Herb Butterfield, Lou Krugman, and Paul Fries. Your announcer, George Walsh. The special music for Escape is composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Next week... That's right, Gunsmoke. Now a word from William Conrad, who many of you know as Marshal Matt Dillon of Dodge City. Thank you, George. You know, today marks the last of the current series of escape programs, and I know you will miss it as much as I shall. However, I would like to think that all of you who have listened to Escape these many months will now be able to take your pleasure in listening to Gunsmoke. <laughs> yes, starting next week, Gunsmoke will come to you on a new day at a new time. Chester, Doc, Kitty, and I, together with all of our strong-minded, brawling, hard-living citizens of Dodge, will come to you next Saturday, October the 2nd. So, goodbye for escape. And we hope you'll all tune in to your local CBS radio station next Saturday, October 2nd, for Gunsmoke. Until then, thank you, and good night. Thank you, Bill. Stay tuned now for Night Watch, which follows immediately over most of these same stations. Meet Corliss Archer for Monday Night Merriment on the CBS Radio Network. was The Heart of Kali from Escape here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was my pick for this week's episode. And as usual, I have no idea if the other boys here liked it or not. As we're recording this, I'm about to find out. But I will start with this. 
in no way, shape, or form am I trying to sell this to you guys as, this is brilliant stuff. I think you pretty much know why I brought this. Because this is just an Eric warm blanket. (laughs) (laughs) It hits all the marks, but there's nothing about this that is extraordinary but it is extraordinary in its run of the millness. <laughs> I sat listening to this going, I love Escape. I love this. Good. This is awesome. Oh, I liked it a lot. Yay. Yeah. Here it is. It's an Indiana Jones serial. It's I mean, so- it's got that, but it's also got like this sort of folklore mm-hmm. structure to it. And it's a great adventure story, and it's got great sound effects, and it's got an ending we all saw coming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we all knew it was coming, and yet I didn't care. And I think there's some very specific reasons I didn't care that I knew what was going to happen. Right. I and mean, I knew what was going to happen when they wanted me to know. Right. I didn't know before. Yeah, I think they wanted you to know when yeah. you knew it. And sometimes a radio show or a movie script or anything will do that, and the author's wrong. Right, <laughs> you, know, you as right. the viewer or listener are like, I didn't want to know that then. Um, right. But I think they were right here. It all goes back to the writer's choice to make Danny an unsympathetic killer. Yeah. He easily, to me, as a World War II vet, mm-hmm. could have decided to give him a sadder backstory to give us this idea that he had come back from the war and struggled. He tried to fit into civilian life and couldn't. And all he had to cling to was this pipe dream of of maybe finding this treasure that eluded him in the war. But instead, just right from the get-go, he's obnoxious and you don't like him. Then they just have him outright murder an innocent man to steal the money he needs. And from Mm -hmm. there... You're following what if Indiana Jones Was were it? a psychopathic killer. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I guess this plays into the end because to me, when I went, oh, yep, the old man was the guy who tried to steal it all those years ago mm-hmm. and he's going to have to replace him. I didn't mind knowing that because this guy is such a terrible guy that I just savored <laughs> waiting yeah. for the other foot to drop for him. For to him have to him find him out. Realize it and go, yeah. Yeah, you got to sit here. Yeah. Um, And so that's why that ending worked for me. Yeah, it works for me too. And again, there's nothing about this that makes me have to think. I was so swept away by this as just a straightforward, fun adventure Mm -hmm. story. I'm 12 years old again when I'm listening. It's like, (laughs) I want to be an adventurer. I want to stow away on a ship. I want to be Talbot Mundy. Look it up. It's weird. Okay, (laughs) but before we go any further, the whole thing about him being a sound effects guy makes everything so much more clear. Gosh, the production and the sound Mm -hmm. effects are just, as always, an escape. As always. But they're particularly gorgeous in this episode. The one thing I really liked about this was the fist fights. Because they don't really rely on the sound of actual blows. They use this sort of textured combination of sounds, of vocalizations, shuffling shuffling feet, and objects being banged into to sort of create this general image of a struggle, a physical struggle. And I think sometimes when we perform fights, we emphasize the blows. Hey, it's kind of fun to keep doing that. Yeah, but I heard that and I went, oh, we should try a more textured fight in one of our shows. 
If you've ever punched someone in the face, it doesn't sound like that mm-hmm. at all. Actually, what it sounds like is, ow, my hand. <laughs> um, but you know the cereals where every four minutes there's a giant fight scene in the cereals and they throw each other? Gosh, the stage combat in those is just fascinating. By That's a whole other story. But the reality is the fight with the guy killing him and taking his money, that's about how long a fight usually does last. You know, mm-hmm. that's like, bam, right? <laughs> about all the energy anybody has and I love the length of it and the timing of it and the sound of it was so well done that I could hear the bottle going into him and being twisted yeah even though it it wasn't there and a lot of it was uh, William Conrad's I think that was William Conrad. He had an accent, but yeah. you can tell it's William Conrad. Yeah, uh, yeah. But his performance when he gets stabbed, because you already know it's a broken bottle, and then his reaction makes you think it's just a horrible wound. And to kill someone with a broken bottle is just And awful. twist. Yeah. You were talking about the unlikability of the character, because they, they always refer to the actual gem as being hand grenade-sized, mm-hmm. which is a, a great way to just constantly reinforce the idea, I mean, that literal idea of there's a bomb, Mm-hmm. The, the bomb in the story that's going to go off. And then they, a couple times, that it's like his heart is that heart, that I'm a hand grenade and I'm going to go off at some point. Nice. Well done. Um, that's on them. That is me just parroting back what they said. Uh, and it, with you know a, a little bit of a metaphor, it makes everything really tense and exciting. I'm really invested in this awful character because I want to see what's going to happen to him because he's, he's wound up tight. Yeah, and to piggyback on that, what's interesting is that he's capable of brutal murder, but he's also strangely naive, because immediately after that scene where he kills the bar owner with a broken bottle, he's a total idiot and lets the captain see his gigantic wad wad of of money money. that the three of us on the street would know not to pull out (laughs) a big wad of money. So in some ways, his vulnerability with his brutality makes him seem even more dangerous and unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then he seems to learn his lesson after being uh, mistreated. I mean, he kind of <laughs> asked for it, but by both the ship captain and then by the gentleman who's arranging the uh, guides. Right. He takes it all out on the <laughs> poor guide who just, he just shoots him dead. Doesn't take any chances. It's an interesting moment when he shoots the guide because he says to him, yeah, you would be a problem if you were to stay with me any further than now, because I'm paraphrasing it, but he's insinuating, when I leave this point, if you know where I'm going, then you're going to be a problem. But instead of saying, so you need to go away now, yeah, and then I'm going to continue on, I was shocked when he killed him. It was a moment I went, oh, whoa, whoa, he just shot him. I really mm-hmm. thought he was just telling him, I'm, I don't need your services from this point forward. And that, again, leans really hard into establishing the idea that we're going to be okay with what eternity is going to be for him. Yep. (laughs) And I guess I keep coming back to that because it is a subversion of the way escape usually tells stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, the trappings of this is pure escape. Pure escape. But the point of view character reminds me of something out of suspense which more often would have a protagonist that you're following who is a murderer or a criminal escape i'm really struggling to come up with an episode uh, where you're with an unrepentant killer it might be a character who's maybe rough around the edges or from the seedier side of things but generally you can root for an escape character 
Yeah. Unless I'm forgetting some no. really obvious yeah, ones. Yeah, no. like, even if they're a pretty bad guy, they're always with someone much worse. Right. Yes. <laughs> the other interesting, interesting thing about Escape is the title, uh, as it went on very quickly, actually, into the run of the show, there were escapes, like people getting away. Mm-hmm. But it turned into, ironically, a show about people that didn't escape their fate, <laughs> <laughs> or didn't ever escape yeah. anything. And they have horrible endings and demises. This is also a twist in that usually an escape story is in an environment that gets deadlier and deadlier and worse mm-hmm. and worse. Uh, and this time, this guy's trapped in an environment where they are going out of their way to assure him, you are in no danger. You will not be hurt. We will take care of you. Yeah. And there's always the implicit threat, but everything that bad happens to him is something he brings on himself. Yeah, that That is a really, actually, terrifying moment. We know that they beat him within an inch of his life before they stopped when he fell into the hole, right? And then he woke up and they said, you know, we're not going to do that anymore, the guy, priest or whatever it was. It's unnerving at that point to hear him keep saying, no, 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 you're, you're fine. We're glad you're here. We're having a feast. Your life is sacred to us. Yeah, you're amazing. There's nothing calming about that. <laughs> well, also because this is, and we should acknowledge that it is playing on these uh, racist stereotypes of these Hindu cults that are death worshippers that mm-hmm. largely were probably creations of the colonial British government to justify their crackdowns on right. their, yeah. uh, their natives. But it's interesting because uh, Murray uses those tropes as a misdirect because we're like, mm-hmm. oh, they're going to eat you, them. You're going to eat them. It's a human sacrifice. And mm-hmm. so um, that same calmness um, <laughs> runs contrary to and the tropes. say, we will not eat you. <laughs> <laughs> the... The tropes that the listener is bringing to the story as well as Danny. So, yeah, I found that fascinating. I don't think it was the author refuting these stereotypes, but just using them to his advantage. But it's really well used. So here's the other interesting thing when I listen to this. uh, You know, as I said, I listen to about 10 escapes that I've always wanted to listen to. And I could have sent any one of them to you, to be honest with you. Uh, And I chose this really because it just is everything that I love. <laughs> Every- oh, probably a chunk of my appreciation of it was like listening to it through your ears. Right. <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah. That's, you know, oh gosh, we're on a dock with distant boat whistles. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, the other part of it was the fact that it was the last escape. Mm-hmm. And when I started to listen to it, now we've had our horrifying moment of listening to that last suspense and how sad and difficult it is to watch someone just not be able to box anymore and yet they're in the ring still Mm -hmm. and not giving up and i was so surprised by how strong it ended yeah that's an incredible last show as far as i'm concerned yeah i can't imagine why anyone heard that and decided to let it go right like to not get that going for another five seasons i was surprised how sad it made me when the announcer said next time and it cut away to gun smoke music yep and, and a little annoyed <laughs> i was like you know your william conrad's rather perfunctory i'll miss escape yeah <laughs> but let's talk about gun smoke <laughs> But then it, it was funny because the announcer said, and here's a voice you'll recognize as 
Matt Dillon from Gunsmoke, and I was yeah. just like, no, I recognize him as Line Engine, <laughs> Professor Carswell, as the drunken guy who got in a fight over records and had his hands amputated from frostbite. That's where I recognize him. <laughs> yeah, amazingly strong ending. Yeah, this is this checks all the boxes for me, and uh, at this point, this could be my favorite episode of Escape, and that's saying a lot. Uh, and that's just because it's not as creative or interesting than a lot of other escape stories or mind-numbingly uh, introspective or make-me-ponder things. But gosh, it sure moves. Oh, but it's all in the details, though. Yeah. It's, it's not just the sound effect details. I mean, one sign for me of a really great radio writer, television writer, too, any scripts that require you to have these small secondary characters that could just be bland non-player characters who give you plot information, uh, but a good writer can take them and give them some little quirk or some little detail that makes them interesting in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Murray here is really good at that. Uh, Whitey the bartender with his just insulting, dismissive laugh yeah. that just fills in all this character, that he's seen everything. He's not mm -hmm. intimidated by everything. He knows how everything's going to turn out, and he just laughs at it. And that just little detail just makes that character pop. And the negotiation with the ship's captain. It's, it's the writing and the performance, because uh, the same thing for me is that, that guide of that naive, innocent, I'm supposed to kill you. Yeah, but that makes you really feel for that guide right before uh, yeah. Danny kills him. Or the great little humanizing moment of the priest who uh, knows his name. Mm -hmm. And Danny's like, how do you know my name? <laughs> well, I read your driver's license. <laughs> and I mean, A, it's a nice character moment for that priest. Uh, but it is also lets you as a listener know that, that there's no magic going on here. Mm -hmm. uh, Danny was outnumbered, uh, but these are not um, mystical beings or have superpowers and that escape is a possibility for him in that right. moment when you realize they're just normal people. There's a great piece of writing and performance uh, very quick where he's asking him, when do they get back to the ship? Mm -hmm. you, we're leaving when they get back. <laughs> Uh, when they run out of money for beer. And in my head, I went, just stop being so coy and answer the question. And the guy says, pretty much, stop being so coy. And he says, well, you like, know, I'm asking you now as a passenger. Right. Yeah. Tell me the exact time. And I love that one. As a listener, I have a reaction and it's actually addressed by the mm -hmm. writer. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm annoyed with that. Just, yeah, yeah, it's super cute. Yeah, when they're done drinking beer. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> what time do you leave? <laughs> so, uh, any other final thoughts on this? All right. Well, then let's send it to a vote. Tim? I don't know if I would say it was my favorite escape, but that is an embarrassment of riches. This is a fantastic episode of Escape. It's just, it's a great episode. Um, I would call this a classic. I mean, Escape is just littered with them, but right. I gotta say, it, it is. It's, it's so good. Escape is lousy with classics. <laughs> ah! Everywhere's a classic. Um, it does have that issue of playing with these tropes, but uh, like Joshua said, it does so in a thoughtful, uh, subversive way. Um, so it doesn't necessarily advance understanding of Indian culture, but uh, <laughs> right. it's not as hurtful as other uses of mm -hmm. a cult of Kali might be. Right. Yeah, it is a great episode. The one thing I didn't get to mention was how the uh, 
first person narration catches up to the present moment and yep. we end with him speaking directly to the listener begging them to come take his place. <laughs> right. It's just a, it is really tightly structured like that. But um, I think this is a testament to escape for me is that I think this is fantastic, a great send off, but I can't quite put it in classic mm-hmm. in the same league as casting the runes or a study in wax. It's sure. sort of my favorite. And that's where these things get so close in quality that I think that decision becomes highly subjective. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but for me, no, but this is a fabulous send-off. It integrates and displays everything that was great about Escape as a series. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you could really ask for a better send-off. And I am now mad at Gunsmoke for no rational reason. <laughs> <laughs> Study in Wax is a completely different type of story, so mm-hmm. it's, it's not fair for me to say uh, this is my favorite Escape because, gosh, you know, studying wax is mind-blowing. It's still one of the best things I've ever listened to in my life. But this becomes my favorite escape just because it is in the category of that adventure in far-off land uh, thing that I love so much that we're going somewhere mystical and magical, which doesn't exist anymore because we know what everything is now. (laughs) we We don't have any place like that. Uh, anymore so yeah for me it's an absolute classic and just a a piece of perfection of everything i like about radio drama adventure storytelling all right tim tell them stuff please go visit ghoulishdelights.com home of this podcast you'll find other episodes there you can listen to a bunch of episodes of escape that we're all been talking about and raving about they're really good ah it's just (laughs) rotten with classic episodes so many Ah, I just get sick of them. It's boring. <laughs> it's so good, it's boring. Uh, you can also leave messages, comment on episodes, vote in polls. Let us know what you think about these episodes. You can link to our Threadless store and buy swag. Ah, swag. Uh, and you can send us messages. And you can uh, go visit our Patreon. Yes, you can go to patreon.com slash themorals and support this podcast. Please send us money. We don't care if you have to stab some guy with a broken <laughs> bottle to get it. Send Ooh, it we like away. that, really. One of the bonuses is a seat at the captain's table. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, please, help us out. Support this podcast. It's sometimes kind of expensive. <laughs> uh, so, please, uh, patreon.com slash themorals. Thank you. And you can see us perform live on stage, no matter where you are in the world or what your schedule is. We do recreations and adaptations of classic old-time radio shows and a lot of our own original radio drama work on stage. The Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society Theater Group performs monthly, and you can come see us live in the Twin Cities area and check out what episodes or what shows we're doing every month by going to ghoulishdelights.com or mysteriousholdradiolisteningsociety.com. And if you're not around uh, this area or can't drive in or fly in or whatever, you can see us uh, by buying a ticket because we uh, live stream them. And then also, if you can't be there that night, you can buy a ticket and watch the live stream anytime you want because we know where the record button is. <laughs> so uh, please uh, check us out our live uh, shows as well. And I should mention that Patreon supporters get access to that live stream. A complimentary Complimentary access. access. Yes, I mean, you are paying us money to get it, but we like to think of it as complimentary. (laughs) What is coming up next? Next, we have another listener request, and we are going to be listening to Tissue Memory from Fear on 4. Until then... (laughs) 
Oh, gosh, we're on a dock with distant boat whistles. Thank you. <laughs>